Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And they're telling Pharaoh more than Joseph wanted them to say. And they're now telling Pharaoh that they had no pasture in Canaan, and the famine was really bad, and they're asking for permission to stay in, in, in Goshen. And at this point, Joseph's ready to say, I think I can hear the sheep calling you. You better go now. You know, take care of those sheep. Thank you all for coming. He wants to scoot them out the door. He never asked them to say this. He never asked them to say that they came to Egypt because of the famine, because there's no pasture for their flock. The script was just that they were coming to Egypt to be with Joseph. That was the script. And Joseph knew that if they just emphasized that, that they were coming to Egypt to be with Joseph, that that was going to persuade Pharaoh because Pharaoh loved Joseph. If they said that, then they loved Joseph. So they were coming to, but instead they had to go on about this. They're coming to Egypt for relief from the famine, and they had no pastures for their flocks. And there's, I mean, Pharaoh was not in the business of being a world relief agency by giving up the best of his land to refugees. And, they, and so they should not have said this, that they came to Egypt because of the famine. They should have just said, look, we came to Egypt because we love Joseph, and we wanted to be with Joseph, we wanted to be close to him. And that would have resonated with, with, with Pharaoh. If they just had just stayed, they messed it all up by telling Pharaoh that they were refugees in need of relief from the famine. And furthermore, Joseph asked them, Joseph never asked them to, to ask Pharaoh for permission in, in, in Goshen. That was Joseph's job. He was going to be the one who was going to ask for permission, not theirs. So when they left the room, you can imagine how Joseph just looked like a nervous wreck. And maybe Pharaoh saw that and indicated, uh, that's okay, we all have relatives like that, you know. But, but there was one thing good that they did say, or what they said, and, and when they went off script. And as in verse two, verse four, when they told Pharaoh that they had come to sojourn in the land. They use this word sojourn in the land. Now when they said sojourn, just like the word means, it means they were coming for a temporary stay not a permanent. Now, that wasn't part of the script that Joseph went over with them, but it was true. And it shows that the brothers had gotten the message loud and clear that they're only going to, that they're going to return Canaan. The land of, that was the land that God promised to them, not the land of Egypt. And so it was true. And when they use the word sojourn, it means that they got it. And they were only intending to stay in Goshen temporarily, not long time. Of course, they weren't thinking that the temporary stay was going to be 400 years, but anyway. So they use this word sojourn and because, because they knew Egypt's not our home. 
And it made a difference for them to know that their stay in Egypt was only going to be temporary, along with the fact that they were viewed as abominable by the, by the Egyptians. But they got this concept that Canaan was where they were going to settle, and Egypt was just temporary. And so they used this important word in verse 4, 7. It's an important word for us, for us to embrace as we look at our life on earth. Our life is a sojourn on earth, just a temporary stay. Heaven is our ultimate final home. Just like Abraham, we look for that city, it says in Hebrews 11.10. Hebrews 11.10 says about Abraham, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What does that mean? It means that Abraham was, was, was not happy and content on earth. He was kind of antsy, you know, looking for the city that he could call home. Like the song says, um, uh, 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 I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's why the Bible calls us strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. It says in 1 Peter 2.11, 1 Peter 2.11 Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And in Hebrews 11.13, Hebrews 11.13, is talking about all the ones who died in faith. And says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them, the promises, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, even though the brothers wandered off script and told Pharaoh that they were refugees in need of pasture and food, and that's why they came to Egypt, Pharaoh corrected their error. He corrected their script that they should have said in verse 5. What it says in verse 5, Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. So that's important what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh did not say to Joseph what the brothers said to him in verse four. Pharaoh did not say in verse five, thy father and thy brethren have no pasture for their flocks. The famine is sore in the land of Canaan. They need to dwell in the land of Goshen. He didn't say those things. He corrected their script and said to Joseph what the brothers should have said if they had they stayed on script, which was, verse five, thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. Now, it's just a, it's kind of step back a little bit in time here. Step back a little bit in time from this meeting to before the meeting and before the brothers had been brought in to meet with Pharaoh. Go back in time when Joseph is he's, he's there with them in Goshen and he's saying to them, I'm gonna take five of you to go meet Pharaoh. And just imagine how the brothers are, are, are discussing among themselves, you know, some of us are gonna meet Pharaoh. And I wonder what Pharaoh was really like. I mean, none of us have ever met or seen Pharaoh. But Joseph has told us a lot about Pharaoh. And he, he said he's very good. He said he's very kind. But none of us have ever known that firsthand. We never met him. I wonder if we're gonna find out when we're in front of him that Pharaoh really is good and kind, like Joseph has said. And what a surprise when the brothers were presented to Pharaoh. I mean, you can kind of see in this, like when we are going to be presented to the Father, what suspense, you know, for them. You're going to meet Pharaoh. What will he say? We've never seen him, heard about him. What's he going to be? Is he going to be kind and loving to us, like Joseph has said? In other words, there was this anticipation 
on their part before the brothers met Pharaoh to find out if Pharaoh was really as Joseph, really as nice and good as Joseph had described him. And that's a parallel for us because we're like the brothers. We've heard about God the Father from our Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said about him in John 1.18, John 1.18, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. And then he went on, he said in Matthew eleven twenty seven, Matthew eleven twenty seven, all things are delivered to me of my father, and no man knoweth the father, knoweth the son, but the father, neither knoweth any man the father, save the son, and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. So just as the brothers look forward to the day when they were going to see Pharaoh face to face and learn firsthand, so that's us. We're looking forward to the day when we're going to see God the Father. And that day came for the brothers, and they found out what Pharaoh was like from verse 6. In verse 6, when it says, Pharaoh says, The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land, make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen, let them dwell. And what they found out was when Pharaoh said, In the best of the land, make thy father and thy brethren to dwell. You know what that was for those brothers? That was a, wow, Joseph was right. Pharaoh really is all that Joseph said about him. But there's nothing like hearing it directly, you know. And just think of what God the Father has done for us. What it says about what God the Father has done for us. When it says in Matthew 25, 34, Matthew 25, 34, it says, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What an invitation. Come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. I mean, God has blessed us to that extent where he's saying to us, you inherit the kingdom. See, that's like Pharaoh's words, in the best of the land, make them dwell. And then the Lord Jesus described to us what God the Father is like when he said in Luke 12, 32, Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What a gift. It's the father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom and says that. It means that, you know, the father is not saying, well, if I have to, I guess I'll give it over to them. Not happy about it. No, it was his pleasure. He was so happy. And from what the Lord Jesus said, we learn about God the Father. And, and, and I mean, have you ever thought about the most famous verse? Okay, John 3.16. John 3.16. What does that teach us about the Father? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just look, just, just take that verse, John 3.16, and ask the question, what is the nature of God like? In other words, from John 3.16, fill in the blank. The nature of God is to blank. So, so let me ask you, the, when it says, for God so loved the world, the nature of God is to what? It's to love. It's to love, right? The nature of God is to love. Okay, now, you know, that, that's what it says there. And John goes, John actually clarifies that even more when he says in 1 John 4.8, God is love. Moses explained to Israel why they were chosen in Deuteronomy 7.7. 7. Deuteronomy 7.7, 7, Moses says, the Lord did not set 
his love upon you, nor choose you because you are more in number than any people, than any other people, you are the fewest of all people. But because he loved you, because the Lord loved you, he gives up his son for our salvation just because he loves the world. Okay, How, what would you put in for the blank when it says that he gave his only begotten son? The nature of God is to blank based on the, the words that he gave his only begotten son. What's the nature of God is to? Give. The first one is the nature of God is to love. God so loved the world. The next one is the nature of God is to give, for he gave his only begotten son. He gives, he gives. And it's the nature of God. And Job says in Job 5.8, Job 5.8, I would seek unto God, and unto God I would commit my cause, which doeth great things, unsearchable, marvelous things, without number. He gives the rain upon the earth, sends waters upon the fields. You know, Psalm 68.9, we just had a rain. And what is just, you know, was that just, you know, the the cycle of water? It says he sends in Psalm 68, 9. Oh, God, thou didst send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thy inheritance. In Matthew 5.45, Matthew 5.45, the Lord said that he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and unjust. And, and Paul, when he was speaking to the, to, to, to the unbelievers in Acts 14, 17, Acts 14, 17, he says, nevertheless, he left himself, he left not himself without witness and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. The Lord Jesus says in John 10, John 10, 28, John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Either shall any man pluck them out of my hand. When he's speaking to the woman at the well in John 4.10, John 4.10, he said, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. In, in, John, in Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, the word says the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's great news. Gifts. Giving us eternal life is the ultimate give. Okay, now, uh, next one, fill in the blank. The nature of God is to, when it says, should not perish. And don't say the nature of God is to perish. Save. The nature of God is to save. And I was actually thinking of what you said. The nature of God is to care. He cares. He cares that we don't perish. He cares about it. He cares. He's done something. Gave a son so that we would not perish. Now, when it says this, we, 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 could, we could ask the question, what does God care about in our lives? What's he care about in our lives? Well, when it says this, let me ask you, what does he care about from Deuteronomy 3.22? Deuteronomy 3.22, you shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Okay, you said that. You shall not fear them, the Lord your God will fight for you. What does he care about? He cares about your life, he cares about the battles in your life, to the extent where he'll go out and care so much, he'll fight. Okay, when it says these words, says these verses, what does God care about? Isaiah 41, Isaiah 41, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Isaiah 66, 13, as as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. What does he care about? Suffering, yeah, and our comfort. He cares about our comfort. In our suffering, as you said, in our comfort. Okay, what does he care about when it says in Jeremiah 1.8, Jeremiah 1.8, 
Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And in Psalm 29, 11, Psalm 29, 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. What's he care about? Yeah, he cares about our safety and our well-being, our being. He cares about our fears. He cares about, you know, when it says the Lord will give strength, he cares about our strength. And the Lord will bless his people with peace. He cares about our peace. What does he care about when it says, what does he care about when it says in Psalm 32, 8, Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. What's he care about? Guidance. He cares about guidance in our life. He cares about the blindness that we have. He cares about the lack of direction that we have in ourselves. He's doing something about it. When he says, I'll instruct thee and teach thee and and I will guide thee. Right. Okay. Now, you know, you go through all these things. It's very interesting. But really, the ultimate care is, 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 is the most famous Psalm, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. It's all about God caring for us. Now, let me ask you. It starts off and it says, it says, the, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What's he care about? Protect. That's right. He cares about our protection. Like a shepherd, he cares about our protection. Okay, then he says, I shall not want. What's he care about? Our needs. That's right. He cares about our needs. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. What's he care about? Rest, our rest, exactly. He restoreth my soul. What's he care about? He restoreth my soul. He cares when we've fallen and we need to be restored. He cares about that. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Righteousness for his namesake. What's he care about? Yeah, our conduct. In other words, think right, act right, be right. That's righteousness. He cares about whether we're being, whether we're going in the right way of life, our conduct, and he leads us in the right ways. Okay. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What's he care about? Fears. He cares about what makes us afraid in the ultimate death. He cares about when we're afraid of death. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. What's he care about? Loneliness. He cares about our loneliness. Right. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What's he care about? Right. Because the rod and the staff, they comfort us. He cares about we should know comfort. Okay. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What's he care about? He cares about our safety. And he cares about if we have confidence, enough confidence to rejoice in the just before our enemies, okay. Thou anointest my head with oil; my cup runneth over. What's he care about? What's that description of? My cup runneth over. Yeah, prosperity, happiness. He cares about that with us. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What's he care about? He cares about the days of our lives. The days of our lives. He wants to, he wants us, he cares about whether or not we have goodness and mercy in the days of our lives. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's he care about? Our eternity, our future. He cares about our eternity. He's opened up his house for us to live in because he cares. So what Psalm 23 does is it shows us that the nature of God is to care. 
And if we're ever asked the question, well, what's God like? The answer is the nature of God is to love, John 3.16. It is to give, John 3.16. It is to care, John 3.16. And it's also Psalm 23. So when the Bible says that we are to love the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, you can't love someone unless you know them. And that's the same with God. The more we know the nature of God, the more we know that the nature of God is to love, to give, and to care, the more we will love him. Okay, now, uh, now there's one more thing at the end of verse six that Pharaoh said. Pharaoh said, there's just one little more thing. He says, if thou knowest any man of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle, over my cattle. So it's interesting that Pharaoh says, if thou knowest any men of activity among them. We know what that shows? It shows that for Pharaoh was having a hard time finding men of activity. Uh, what, <laughs> what words would you describe, you used to describe a person who is the opposite of a man of activity? How would you describe that person? Slothful, lazy, a slacker, in a permanent state of early retirement. <laughs> And Pharaoh was just looking for a diligent person, diligent men. And the Bible says in Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, seest thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings, he stand before mean men. You know, the diligent who love their work are the ones who succeed in business. But the ones who inevitably fail in business are the ones who really don't like the work that they're doing, and their only goal is to really to have two stops in life, the bank and the beach. That's it. <laughs> so Pharaoh says to Joseph, I want you to find men of activity. If you know them to be men of activity, you should have paid them a finder's fee. Anyway, if you know that, and, and that's what God is looking for in us. God is looking for in us, in us men of activity, who he can give responsibility. Look at Pharaoh here. He says, I want to give them responsibility over my cattle, but I need to know that they're men of activity. They're diligent. And that's the same with the Lord. The Lord is saying, I want to give responsibilities. I just need to see it. When he said in Matthew 25, 21, Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for, Lord, opening up all these conversations for us so that we can see them and learn. And and you've just selected the parts, Lord, of these conversations with Pharaoh and the brothers and Joseph for us to see what you're trying to teach us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would seal the word to us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. 
You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. You are invited to the 4th Annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction in support of the Life and Light Foundation on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We will highlight the Life and Light Ministries that include the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Learn how your faithful support impacts the furtherance of the gospel to millions of lost people. All registered guests will take a walk through history and experience amazing foods themed for each exhibit. Everyone will have the opportunity to take home some amazing auction items, and we will hear from Creation Museum President Tom Cantor. The cost of the event is $39 per person and $59 per couple. Register today at tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. 